0: hello this is episode 339 of the keto diet podcast oh my word that is so many episodes today we are chatting with Molly Maloof dr Molly is passionate about extending health span through her medical practice personal brand and educational endeavors dr Molly provides health optimization and personalized medicine to high achieving entrepreneurs investors and technology executives in San Francisco and Los Angeles she is a lecturer within the wellness department of the medical school at Stanford University, where she created a course entitled Live Better Longer, Extending Health Span to Lengthen Lifespan. Today, we're chatting about metabolic inflexibility that can occur with chronic ketogenic diets. We're talking about carb cycling, hormones, chatting about stress and blood sugar, and how all of this relates to not having success on your ketogenic diet so if you have been doing keto for a little while like longer than a couple of months and you're just not getting to it or it was working and now it's not listen up i'm really excited to share today's episode with you okay let's do this thing Welcome to the Keto Diet Podcast, the show all about keto for women so you can burn fat, balance your hormones, and heal your body. Starting and maintaining keto can be challenging without the right support. So just for listening to the podcast, I want to give you 20% off the keto beginning with the coupon code KETOPODCAST. That's all one word. This 30-day program gives you a clear step-by-step how-to so you can quickly adapt to a ketogenic diet, avoid common struggles, and get the results you crave. Go to healthfulpursuit.com slash begin to get your keto beginning discount today. If you're new around these parts, I'm Leanne Vogel. You may know me as the international best-selling author of The Keto Diet, founder of happyketobody.com, or maybe you know me as the nutritionist that likes dipping pork rinds in avocado oil mayo. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Thanks so much for listening. Dr. Molly, how are you today? I'm super good. How are you doing? I'm good. You're my seventh interview today. So if I start saying words and they don't make any sense, it's because all the words are doing things in my brain that I can't control anymore. (laughs) That is a lot of interviews. So much, but you learn so much so quickly. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I've read out your full bio, but just in your own words, who are you? What do you do and what lights you up?
1: Sure. So I'm a medical doctor by training and i decided to build a medical practice around optimizing health and doing personalized medical research and i was really trying to build a practice around this uh, this idea of what would the world look like if there was perfect world medicine where a doctor tried to make you healthier so i love the name of your platform because it's a healthful pursuit and i've been really in pursuit of figuring out what health is about so i studied health from like a first principles perspective i ended up teaching at stanford i still am on faculty there and i teach a course on health span so how do you extend the number of healthy years And to me, like our biology is like fundamentally here to keep us alive and to help us reproduce. So I'm really obsessed with like the two fundamental human drives, food and sex. And when it comes to food, like I have an entire section of my book that I'm writing on biohacking for women, all about really how important it is to build metabolic flexibility and to build health through your eating decisions. So I've been a big fan of your platform for a while. And I'm an entrepreneur. I have a company called Adama Bioscience. It's in stealth right now. And I have basically been an entrepreneur, a doctor, an advisor to many companies, soon to be a writer. I'm a teacher. And so I wear a lot of hats.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. And how does keto come into that? How, when did you start... Practicing keto or bringing that into your practice?
1: So, like a lot of people who start monitoring health metrics, you may notice that you've got blood sugar problems. And I did about in 2014, I started putting blood sugar monitors on myself and my patients. And I discovered that my blood sugar was hovering right below pre diabetes. So, even though doctors would have looked at it and said, You're healthy, I was not healthy. I was insulin resistant. And I think a ton of women are insulin resistant and don't even know it. And so, I had issues with acne, I had issues with energy. I had issues with mood hormones. And I like knew that I was on a path to figuring out what health was, but even, you know, me in 2014, wasn't as healthy as I could have been. I was younger than I am now. And yet I wasn't as healthy as I am now. And that was because like a lot of women, we think we're eating healthy foods, which I at the time of got. I had to go gluten-free because I discovered I had celiac years ago. And so I was eating all these refined carbs and I was still actually having blood sugar problems. And it was like, Oh, wow turns out the kind of carbs you eat, even if it isn't just gluten-free, it can actually be really problematic for your health. So I started really digging into ketosis because I essentially find that like a lot of women and a lot of people who discover they have health, like blood sugar problems. The first thing that most people do is they just cut out all the carbs and cutting out all the carbs really does rapidly improve metabolic health because you're reducing your insulin output. But the problem that I discovered through being in keto for you know extended periods of time was that you can actually develop metabolic inflexibility from being in continuous ketosis. So what happens is, and I'm kind of bringing up all the science now because I'm going to get to it at some point, but when your body is in continuous ketosis, what you do is you start down-regulating the amount of insulin production you're making, which is great for anybody with insulin resistance because now you're actually reducing insulin signaling. But if you stay in continuous ketosis and you stay in the state of low insulin levels, when you do eat carbs, you spike your blood sugar. So you get glycemic, you get like glucose intolerance, even though you have less insulin resistance, which is an interesting combination because a lot of people don't even know that this can happen. So what I've started to figure out over the course of, I'd really say the last couple of years is the real aim we're all really looking for is metabolic flexibility, is being able to use different fuel supplies and be able to process them properly. The problem is, is that most people are in carb dominant metabolism. They're eating so many refined carbs. They're eating, still eating a lot of bread. They're eating sugar, they're eating pastries, they're eating cereal, they're eating pasta, they're eating all the things that we know are delicious, but they're eating way too much of them. And so you can be skinny and have insulin resistance and have fat, elevated fasting blood sugar. You can be fat and have elevated fasting blood sugar, but you can also be metabolically healthy and slightly overweight. So, like, really the only way to figure this stuff out is to look under the hood and actually see what your labs say. So, I got really interested in ketosis because I was trying to figure out blood sugar metabolism. And I was trying to figure out what's the best way to go about fixing my high blood sugar. And like a lot of women, you start dropping your carbs, you start dropping your insulin, you start dropping your blood sugar, and it looks like you're healthy. But I figured out that the answer to a lot of our problems is building metabolic flexibility through carb cycling and intermittent ketosis. It turns out that women have to be a little bit more careful with the kind of metabolic interventions that we do because we tend to be designed for keeping the tribe alive. So, like we're designed to basically keep all the children alive in primitive times, right? And that means that like we actually will adapt our metabolism to the demands. Men seem to be much more resilient to intense stressors metabolically. Like men can do continuous ketosis a lot easier than women that I've seen. So I think for women, our task is to figure out how do we manage our stress, our food, and these metabolic interventions that are designed to make us healthier. And not end up harming ourselves in the process. So I was really excited to talk to you because I was like, finally, I get to talk to her audience about why a lot of women do really well in ketosis, but then they plateau and they have problems. And I think the real answer is figuring out how to fit ketosis into your life, but not make it a continuous ketosis lifestyle for all cases. Women who really struggle with diabetes may really do well with continuous ketosis, But I think that at the end of the day, what we all should be looking for is 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 finding good metabolic health and finding balance with different fuel supplies.
0: hemp hearts let's first talk about why they are so unique in a class of nuts and seeds well they're actually considered a seed and how they make the perfect addition to your diet hemp hearts are rich in fats but not just any fats the good healthy ones the ones you want to fill your diet with to help reduce inflammation support joint health and balance hormones hemp hearts have six times the omega-3 of raw tuna four times the omega-3s as most fish oil supplements and they're rich in fiber promoting gut health and helping aid digestion. They're also a rich source of plant-based protein containing 10 grams of protein per 30 gram serving. What's unique about hemp hearts is unlike many plant-based protein sources, they contain all 20 amino acids and all of the nine essential amino acids, making hemp hearts one of the best plant-based protein sources, or if you ask me, the best. Hemp hearts are rich in micronutrients such as iron, magnesium, B vitamins, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin E. It's said to be nature's multivitamin as it contains high daily value percentages of those micronutrients. Also, for women struggling, with hormone health, which is basically every one of us. (laughs) It also contains GLA, which is extremely healthy for women's hormones. You can go to eatenhempcom slash keto diet. Use the code keto diet all in caps for 25% off. These are the best of the best hemp parts that exist, guys, because they're backed by a 30 day money back guarantee. If you don't like it, you get your money back and this company rocks. So if you go to eatenhempcom slash keto diet, use the code keto diet all in caps for 25% off. Give them a try and let me know what you think. Again, if you don't like them, just contact them and you will get your money back. That's awesome. And there's a piece that you said in there about insulin resistance and you started wearing, I think you were saying that the you glucose were monitor. wearing a CGM. Yeah. yeah. And you started to say, actually, this is a problem. What were you seeing? Because a lot of people sure. wait to see their doctor and they're yeah. waiting for that. The doctor to yeah. say, this is what's happening. But what were you seeing as it relates to your CGM? So it turns out that fasting blood sugar
1: should probably be in the 80s and mine was like 90s okay and i'm talking like mid 90s and then my postprandial blood sugar technically they say that it should be like less than 140 but i was hitting above 140 regularly with a carb heavy meal and really healthy postprandial blood sugar is probably less than 110 and some people even go as less than 100 so like most people are going way above that with post meal so it's like there's optimally well and then there's insulin resistant. And so I was hitting regularly like above 140 post meal. And I was hitting regularly like high 90s fasting, which is like really not healthy, actually. It's like totally not optimal. So now I'm like more in like upper 70s, low 80s when I'm really doing well fasting. And now when I'm really, really tracking my blood sugar, I'm doing post blood sugar around like less than 110. So it took me years to get to this point, right? It took me years to figure this out. So I'm trying to save all of you out there listening a lot of time and energy trying to like figure out your metabolism because your doctors are going to say, Oh, your fasting blood sugar is fine. You're not over a hundred. You're not pre-diabetic. And yet also you need to look at your insulin levels. I didn't actually check my insulin levels back then. So I don't really know how the high they were, but I have a client who has a fasting insulin of 11 and I aim for less than six, ideally like four, or less than four. And so really what I'm seeing is that a lot of people have these like super in my opinion, low standards for what health is. And so the doctors think that they're healthy, but they're actually on their way to getting disease. And the thing is, is that you know you have problems if you have mood disturbances, if you have really bad periods, if you have lots of hot flashes in menopause, if you have problems with like energy levels not being consistent throughout the day, if you have super, super high stress levels, that alone can cause insulin resistance. And you don't exercise if you're sedentary. Like all these things can contribute to glycemic problems. And that's why I think it's really important for women to like take a look at your labs and actually identify if you have a problem before it becomes full-blown prediabetes or diabetes. By the time you're diabetic, you've already lost a significant percentage of your beta cell function, probably over half of it. And so you're basically like losing organ function by the time you're diagnosed with a disease. Which means that like, why would we ever wait that late when we know that we're literally damaging our organs by letting ourselves wait till a doctor diagnoses us with a diabetes to do something about our lifestyles?
0: Completely. I couldn't agree with you more. It's like, if we diagnose cancer at stage four, like, what are we going to do with that? And to your point on metabolic inflexibility with chronic keto, what are the sorts of things that women should be looking for as it relates to that metabolic inflexibility? Like what's going to be happening? How long would they be on keto? Well, what you got to do is put a blood sugar monitor on. Cause if you're
1: in continuous keto, for the most part, you're flat, right? Your blood sugar is low. But if you have continuous keto and you're like running higher fasting blood sugar, that means that your body's becoming physiologically insulin resistant. And that to me is not an optimal state to be in. Like you should be seeing your fasting blood sugar fairly low. And what I see in a lot of women is that they have over hundred fasting blood sugar or an upper nineties fasting blood sugar, but their post-brand deal is completely flat. So they think, oh, whatever, I'm below hundred, it's fine. But the thing is, is that like, it can cause problems in the liver if you eat too much fat for too long. So the other thing you want to look at in your postprandial blood sugar is you want to look at like, what happens if I eat a carb meal? Do I get a spike of over 140? Do I get a high blood sugar spike? Because all I did is eat a bunch of carbs. Now, to me, that is not metabolic flexibility is like, if you're spiking your blood sugar pretty high, just whenever you had a piece of maybe gluten-free pizza or something, that's not really optimal health. That's just you controlling your metabolism with ketosis. What you really want to be able to do is burn different fuel supplies effectively and not have abnormal blood sugar because basically what you want to be able to do is you want to be able to eat carbs and not have blood sugar spikes. Now I am one of those people who I now am a little bit less anal about refined carbohydrates. I'm not going to completely cut them out because I think that orthorexia is really problematic for women. And I think if you're so controlling with your diet and you never eat a carb, you actually develop an eating disorder. And so eating disorders are really problematic for women. So like if you have problems with basically being like really overly obsessed with your food, that's also not a healthy state to live in. So what I recommend women do is aim to eat mostly whole foods, like vast majority of your food should be whole foods, have some fun foods, occasionally some packaged processed foods. Well, that are ideally from good sources. It's going to keep you sane. But the problem is that most people are eating like all packaged processed foods, right? Like 60% of a child's diet today is processed foods. So to me, it's like an occasional processed treat is a fun thing to do. But if that's most of your diet, that's not healthy. So what I'm aiming to really see in a woman's diet is whole real foods, like eating whole foods that you can see, not a bunch of processed crap. And that's really when we get into problems is like, people are just looking at the back of the package and saying, well, it fits my macros. And they're not realizing they're eating all these additives. And that all of these fake sugars that are in keto foods are actually problematic for the microbiome. What you're going to end up doing is having a really unhealthy microbiome And the only thing you can eat is keto because that's all you can digest. And the other thing that I see problematic for women that are continuously keto is not eating any vegetables because they usually have gut dysfunction and they go keto because they find that it fixes all their problems, but then they end up carnivore and then they have wiped out their microbiome. And so they don't have a healthy immune system. So when they do eat anything that is plant-based, they end up having all sorts of reactions and that's not healthy either. So really what health is about is being able to eat most foods and not have major reactions to them. So I think that that's really what's missing from this conversation for people is like, most of your diet should be whole foods. You should be able to eat different types of foods. Like I can eat fruit. I can eat vegetables. I can eat meats. I can eat nuts and seeds. And like, you should be able to eat whole foods and not have wild shifts in your blood sugar. And that doesn't happen as easily if you're only eating keto because what happens is you eat any carbs and you have high blood sugar levels because you're not, you don't have enough insulin because your body's literally said, well, I don't have a big demand of insulin. Why should I make insulin? And so you basically get this big glucose surge, which is problematic for your blood vessels, problematic for your skin. And to me, the real question is, is how do we take a person from metabolic disease to metabolic health and how often should they be on keto before they can start carb cycling to me? Like If I knew that carb cycling was like a really valuable tool in the toolbox, I would have done that from the start. But I started with just low carb across the board. And I got metabolically inflexible. I went from metabolically inflexible to carbohydrates to metabolically inflexible because I was continuous keto, right? And that was like the big learning for me was, oh my God, what an aha moment. It's like really real true health is being able to use different fuel supplies, carbs and fats and proteins for that matter, and not have abnormal blood sugar numbers. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.
0: Remember that time I had the guys on from Formula episode 301, where we talked about our experiences with ADD and ADHD and how big a game changer nootropics have been for us? If you're struggling with your brain, difficulty focusing, unpredictable energy dips, quick to get distracted, you may benefit big time from taking nootropics as we have. My favorite nootropics brand, Formula, has just changed their name to Thesis and they're offering 15% off to listeners of the podcast. Now, you might be wondering, uh, Leanne, what's a nootropic? Well, they're nutrients proven to improve brain performance. Some call them cognitive enhancers or smart drugs, quote unquote. (laughs) With nootropics, I've boosted my focus, energy, attention span, concentration for long periods of time, getting distracted much less frequently. I'm far more productive. I find myself procrastinating and putting things off less. I've been testing nootropics, and for the past year, I've been using Thesis exclusively. You can visit their website, takethesis.com. You'll take a short assessment and based on their data set, you'll be recommended four nootropic variations to test in your first month. You can then schedule a time to speak with a nootropics coach from their team anytime to help you find the optimal formulations for your brain chemistry. Then they will customize your orders with the formulations that work best for your goals and your physiology. Go to takethesis.com and use the code KETO for 15% off. Again, that's takethesis.com with the code KETO. That's great. And as it relates to, I think what I'm hearing you say is clean up the eating style, making sure that it's all whole foods and you can yeah. see the food. And then are you rotating between more of a whole food based ketogenic diet and then a yeah. whole food based higher carb diet? And you're rotating yeah. on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis. I want to sure. be really clear because yeah. some people will think she said just do it one time. <laughs> so no, I just no, no. want to make sure. So typically what I'm doing is
1: like, well because I'm I have a very erratic travel schedule right now. So there's times where like for example I was in San Francisco Bay area and I was like super healthy. I was eating really pretty low carb, ketogenic a few days a week and then I would have like a higher carb day here and there, right? And that was like I mean I was shedding pounds, super lean, looked amazing. I was exercising moderately pretty much every day. And so it was like most days we're going to be around 100 grams of carbs. And then like for about one week, I was going probably between 40 and 80. And then there was going to be like a few days where I would have like a higher carb day where I'd be like 120 maybe, but I'm not really going really high carb ever anymore. Like maybe once a month while I eat a really high carb day because there was high carbs available, but I'm never going to be a high carb person. I'm never going to be like a 200 grams a day carb woman. Like that's never going to be me again. But that's because I don't think that that's healthy anymore because unless you're using those carbs, like you're running four to five miles a day, you're exercising the gym two hours a day. Like if you are exercising and you are earning those carbs, that is a different story. There are women who are athletes and they absolutely need to titrate their carbohydrates to their demands. Now on days where I was doing like five miles of hiking. Yeah, of course I'm going to eat more carbs on those days because I earned those carbs. I burned those carbs and I needed to replace those carbs, but on days, typically what I'll do is like lighter workout days where I'm not doing a ton of heavy lifting. Those are typically my keto days. And I'll do a couple days of continuous keto. And I will feel amazing because typically those are like lighter workout days. I'm not doing a lot of heavy lifting and it just feels right for my body on days where I'm doing more exercise. I'm going to up the carbohydrates because my body wants the glycogen to be restored. And so I've gotten to the point where like, I can listen to my body and I can hear what it needs. And like for the last few weeks, I definitely upped my carbohydrates that in a way that like did not feel good for my body. And I can feel it. Like you put the weight back on, you start noticing your skin's changing, you start noticing you're not as bright. And like, to me, like I was in the Midwest, right? I was with some family. There was a lot more things available that I don't typically eat. I don't really eat chips. I don't really eat sweets. And I was on vacation with my family. So I indulged a little bit and I still exercised all those days, but you're going to have different times where you're going to be completely on point, And you're going to have different times where you're going to be like, okay, I'm on family time with my family. And it's going to be a little bit more off schedule. But the key is you always want to get back on the saddle and get back into a rhythm of healthy eating. So like, even when I was on vacation with my family, I didn't really have more than like a couple really indulgent days. Most of those days were like pretty darn healthy. So I think you got to find a rhythm with your exercise schedule. It's essentially like, what are your demands in your life? And what's your stress levels? Like, I find that when I'm in continuous keto, I have to have pretty easy stress. When I'm really high stress, my body craves more carbs and I eat more carbs. So what I found is that like, I think it's the hardest thing in the world to develop an intuitive eating sense, but I finally think I have it. And it's like, I look at my body, I look at my menstrual cycle and I kind of like listen to it. Like when you're around your menstrual cycle, right? you're just going to be hungrier during the second half of your cycle, right? Like you're going to eat more calories. Your body has higher stress. You crave more foods, right? So you're just going to be like, oh yeah, I'm in my luteal phase. I'm a little bit moodier. I'm going to eat a little more chocolate. I'm going to like, you know, maybe eat a few things that like aren't optimal for me, but I'm, this is the time my cycle where I'm going to be hungrier. But the thing is, is that you got to understand is that during the luteal and menstrual phase of your cycle, you're also going to be a little bit less insulin sensitive. So you still got to really check your carbs on those days because it's really easy to overdo the carbs when you're craving everything. So what I tell people is, what I do mostly is like the first half of my cycle, I exercise a lot more. I eat more carbs, but I watch my actual intake because I try to titrate it with how much I'm moving my body. During the second half of my cycle, I know I'm going to be hungrier, but I try to watch my appetite. I try to watch my carbohydrates because I'm not trying to let that run out, like run overboard because it's really easy to have your body be in the state of a little bit more stress and your menstrual and you're feeling like, I should treat myself. But actually that's the least insulin sensitive time of your cycle. So it's kind of about going in and out of ketosis and then really titrating your carbs according to your movement levels. One thing I don't do as much anymore is I don't do extended heavy fasting like I used to do because I learned that too much fasting can actually be highly stressful on the brain and on the hormones. So what I do now is I like, I do a little bit more fasting during the first half of my cycle. I just tend to eat less during the first half of my cycle, but I always eat a little something before I exercise, specifically if I'm exercising in the morning. Like I try to make sure that give like maybe 150 calories in the morning, just because women do better when they bring their blood sugar up before they move their bodies. And that's because we tend to have more of a cortisol response with exercise. So I've given you a lot of different tips. There's no perfect way to eat. Okay. So what you really got to learn is what is my cycle telling me I need? What is my movement telling me I need in terms of calories and carbs? And then what are my stress levels telling me I need? Like when I'm really, really stressed out, I eat more consistently throughout the day. When I'm less stressed out, I skip breakfast sometimes because it helps me maintain my metabolic flexibility. And I just listen to my body. What is my hunger telling me? Problem is, is a lot of women just can't hear their body because they're always restricting. So many women are just always restricting so much so that they actually have forgot what it feels like to be satiated. And to feel like they're properly feeding themselves. So to me, I think the key is, is like if you're lucky and you're not doing a ton of traveling, you should find it a lot easier to maintain a steady eating schedule of like a couple days a week, like continuous keto. And then a few days a week, you're going to undulate your calories up and down depending on your activity levels. And you're going to undulate your carbs up and down depending on your activity levels. To me, I look at ketosis as like the ultimate exercise biohack. Like if I'm not exercising heavily, I'm definitely eating low carb because I'm not going to use those carbs. And so why am I going to go eat a bunch of carbs if they're not being used properly, right? So to me, it's like the easiest thing for me to do is to listen to my movement schedule and to listen to my body and to like really use ketosis to build that metabolic flexibility.
0: I really hope you're enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. You can snap a pic and tag me at Leanne Vogel or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. That's wonderful, Dr. Molly. Where can people find more from you and connect with you, your website, your Twitter, Instagram? I'll include all these links, but what are your highlights? So definitely go to at drmolly.co at
1: drmolly.co. That's the best place to find me. You can also find me on Twitter at Molly Maloof MD. That's another good place to find me. And I'm writing a book called The Spark Factor. It's with Harper Wave that should be released in 2023. So there'll be a lot of information on metabolic flexibility there. And yeah, I mean, I definitely have some videos and podcasts all over the interweb. So you can just search for me on Apple Podcasts. You should be able to find a bunch of stuff.
0: That's great. And for those watching the YouTube video, you'll find all those links down below, and if you're listening to the podcast, you can find them in the show notes. And if you don't know where any of those things are, you can go to ketodietpodcast.com, look for episode 339, and I'll include all of Dr. Molly's links and ways to communicate with her and connect with her. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much. I want to add a one pro tip for anyone out there who's trying to learn carb yes. cycling.
1: There's a company called The Faster Way to Fat Loss by Amanda Truss. And she is actually the one who really taught me all about basically carb cycling in a way that's more sustainable. So what she's recommending in her program is typically like two days of keto a week or low carb a week, and then a higher carb day, and then intermixed with lower carb days and higher macro days, intermixed with lower macro days. So that means like some days you're gonna have higher calories, some days lower calories, some days higher carbs, some days lower carbs, and some days keto. And that's really what carb cycling and macro cycling is all about. It's about giving your metabolism the ability to not adapt into one specific state, but to give it challenges so that it keeps it guessing.
0: That's wonderful. I will include a link to that in the show notes also. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you really enjoyed our episode today with Dr. Molly. You can find her on Twitter at Molly Malouf, MD Instagram at drmolly.co and her website is Molly Malouf, MD.com. And she also has drmolly.co. I will include all these links in the show notes. If you don't know where those are, that's totally fine. Just click around until you find them or go to ketodietpodcast.com and look up the show notes for episode three thirty nine. Everything is on that page for you. Okay, that does it for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. I'll see you here next week, next Sunday for another one. See you then. Bye-bye. Advice and always seek the advice of a qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.